The bards must drink and junk it. Hello, friends and strangers, and thank you for listening to Tomorrow We Die. A show about the trials and adventures that happen while touring as a working musician. Told to you by people who have built their lives or portions of their lives around writing and playing the music they love. We are your hosts. I'm John Wisniewski. And I'm Jeffrey McNulty. And every episode, we'll bring you an interview with people who are out there day to day, grinding against the many odds, just to quit their nine-piece ska band and build their own robot backing group. Quick thanks again to our sponsors for this episode, Isotope. Mm-hmm. And Georgetown Music will be doing so a much. couple bumps later on. Again, it feels surreal and weird to have actual sponsors on our stupid punk rock podcast. This is real, John. No, it's not. Yeah. It's still the same piece of shit podcast. I feel so elevated. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we've been yelling about this on the, the social meds for mm-hmm. a little bit. In case you didn't know yet, you can buy shirts, hoodies, beanies, and stickers of Tomorrow We Die. If you want to show some support and kick us a couple bucks because, you know, we do this on our off time. Yep. We're doing it for free, sponsorship or not, right now. So Yep. Yep. So just in time for summer to end and the fall and winter months to creep up, we have hoodies for you to get nice and cozy in Mm -hmm. and beanies just in time to cram in your mouth to filter out the wildfire smoke that we have on the West Coast right now. (laughs) Oh, shit, man. We got beanies. I'm going to have to give me one of those. Just eat the fucking hat. Just put it in your mouth and breathe (laughs) through your mouth. Just pull it all the way over your head so you don't have to see the travesty that is our democracy at work. I know. ruinousmedia.com slash shop and you can find all the uh, Tomorrow We Die stuff there as well as all the wonderful things that Ruinous Media has to offer you. I sound like a radio DJ advertising guy. I think you're doing a good job. Just keep it up. All right. So (laughs) on today's episode. uh, (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) So Jeff, who do we got today? Well, uh, this is an old friend of mine. I've known this guy for so fucking long and he's been a friend of myself and blood hags for so long he played our last show with us and the all klingon death metal band stovocore so it was the ultimate geek metal show and he's been rolling since the 90s the late 90s is when he got started right around the same time i mean at least with his band captured by robots right around the same time that blood hag was starting mm-hmm. and his history goes back even further he was in that like i want to say fourth wave ska scene or third wave ska scene uh, i think it was third wave it was third yeah wave. third wave ska scene yeah that was going on in california we haven't seen the fourth wave yet who knows what's gonna come to us oh, who yeah. knows what's happening in the future the That's fourth true. wave we don't know yeah But yeah, if you don't know, ska was a thing back in the 60s, and it's like a predecessor slash current thing along with reggae, and it was a big thing in London, you know, during the 70s. Yeah, there was like the whole like punks and mods. Yeah. Like the scene feud between punks and mods, and that a lot of that from music stylings. Yeah. Right? Like punks like punk rock, of course. Uh, Mods were heavily associated with ska, and I think mods were like more like fashionably dressed, a little bit more like, I don't know. I don't know anything about mods. I'm talking on my ass right now. So yeah, I just got done watching Quadrophenia, and uh, you know, so the mod and rocker thing goes all the way back to the 60s. 
60s. And back then, the mods were, you know, cool kids who were into, like, Atlantic soul and anything that was coming out of London and Liverpool and stuff. And then they were connected with a lot of, like, Jamaican ska folks yeah. when ska was actually really a thing. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, fast forward 20 years to their progeny are listening to a bunch of ska, you know, listen to the police, listen to the jam, could go on and on and on. Yeah. Ska influenced the whole London punk rock scene in so many ways. Yeah. I think in the 70s, the subculture of music in London was definitely, there's a lot of punk and there's a lot of ska happening. Yeah. Out of London back then, you saw bands like The Specials, The Beat, which Americans refer to as The English Beat. The English Beat, which is funny. <laughs> Madness, The Selector, all came out of London in the 70s. And then it didn't really kick off in America until like the late 80s, early 90s. There was this band called Operation Ivy, which you already mentioned. Yeah. Got really popular in the Bay Area playing Gilman Street, which is a venue, a legendary venue we've talked about a bunch. Um, one of the members, of, or two of the members of Operation Ivy went on to be in Rancid. And I believe one of the founding members of Op Ivy was also a member of the Subhumans, which is a, you know, culty, hardcore, punk, ska-influenced band from even earlier. And then I want to add one more thing. Uh, Madness, at one point, had more hits in England than, like, the Beatles. It was insane. Like, I, I think I might be exaggerating a little bit, but like... Would you say it was madness? It was madness. People in the United States just think of madness as one song, you know, all house in yeah. the middle of all street. Yeah. Okay, but they actually had hit after hit after hit in England. So that's how big Ska was. Yeah, actual, literal madness in England. Mm-hmm. Operation Ivy in the Gilman scene kind of lit the spark to blow open the doors for like a massive ska scene massive. in America through the 90s. Like if you were around it was a scourge in the underground at all during the 90s, you knew about ska bands. Um, and there's, I mean, there's a ton of bands in the underground. We'll, we'll get into some of them in our interview with, yeah. uh, with J-Bot here. But I think the culmination of the rapid rise of ska was probably the mighty, mighty boss tones being in the movie Clueless. Yeah. That's an awful sentence and maybe one of the worst things I've ever <laughs> said out loud. <laughs> I disagree. I like mighty, mighty boss tones and I like the movie Clueless. There, I said it. <laughs> we'll shelve that one for later. Yeah, we'll have that argument off camera, so to speak. <laughs> like, but I, I got to come clean. I was into that scene when I was a teenager. You were, man. That was your demographic. I was totally into it. I saw the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones at Bumbershoot in Seattle. I saw them mm -hmm. at Rock Candy in Seattle. And like I two or three more Candy. times, a whole bunch of these bands came through Seattle and I would go, including two of the bands that J-Bot played in. Yeah. I was fucking at those shows and quite a happy young gentleman. And you wore the t-shirt. I did. As well. But so after being done with Scott, J-Bot sort of decided rather than playing in a band with nine other humans, he'd prefer playing in a band with zero other humans. Um, and he kind of started a project. Yeah, and it kind of started out, him being the guy that he is, he just decides like, you know what? I'm going to build some robots and they're going to play with me. And everyone's like, psh. Yeah, right, buddy. And then, you know, fast forward five years later, and he's got these robots that he's running, you know, kind of by hand, but they're playing. And then, you know, fast forward a couple more years, and these robots are playing by themselves. And he literally taught himself robotics, and he built every robot by hand. And I will tell you, the first time I saw Captured by Robots, I basically just plotzed. I just... You know, like my brain went dead and I couldn't believe that it was really happening. And it was so good that I talked about it for months afterwards. I say this a lot and I mean this with no exaggeration whatsoever. It's fucking insane what he does. It is. Yeah, it is insane. Insane. 
And honestly, Jeff, if you and I had been trapped in a van with a horn section, we probably would have done the same thing. Yeah, I would have wanted to do something else. I would have <laughs> just been a one-man band with like a drum machine or something. I don't know, you know. <laughs> yeah, but like it's one of those things where like in the underground scene, you sort of hear it floated around like, oh, have you heard of Captured by Robots? Oh, there's this band yeah. Captured by Robots. It's a guy who built robots and he plays shows with his band of robots. And then you see it live and it is a human who has built robots Yes. To play instruments. They actually play the instruments. This is no German bullshit engineering of the last 10 years. This is not Chuck E. Cheese. No, this is not Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> this is hand-built fucking hardcore. The guy has done so many cool things. I could go on and on and on. I'm actually going to gush a little bit more. Okay, so his whole shtick when he first started out was that he was a human man mm -hmm. who was captured by the robots that he built and forced to play in this punk band so that the robots could go on tour and berate humans and, and destroy all humans, basically. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. so here we have this antisocial thing already happening, which is great. you got to go online and check out the footage, but he had this whole like suit where it looked like his guts has been torn out. Yeah. And you know he was singing, and he also had like these amazing switches where... You know, he'd be like kind of singing and I think he might have played guitar a little bit sometimes and he had a mic in his helmet that would switch on the robots and so he could heckle you as the robot, which was dope because <laughs> if you were like, you know, you guys stupid blah, 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 and then the guitar bot or the drum bot or whatever it was would just look at you, they would turn its head and yell at you, which is the most frightening thing. And again, we can't convey this over a podcast. No. You have to actually go to YouTube or something else, you know, Vimeo, I don't care what your supplier <laughs> is and you have to actually check it out and see what this guy was and has been doing and it's changed over time he's since morphed and had a little bit of a shall we say softer side with his band teddy bear orchestra where yeah, he right? plays the owner of a teddy bear orchestra who has like sort of a strangely hitler-esque accent as he tries to get these robots to play these teddy bears <laughs> to play what he wants them to play and uh, i'm doing a terrible version of it but it's actually really fucking funny he's got a dark sense of humor he's just gonna talk about his own life and i can't fucking honestly you know it's fucking it's a joy to hear and i'm glad that he actually gets to talk about the things that he gets to talk about yeah then his last two records are like brutal so good brutal fucking hardcore <laughs> so good. i mean he's put out some great shit he did this one concept album that was all based on the Old Testament, you know, like using his heritage. And then like he comes back the next year and it's like a wedding thing and we'll talk about that later, but I actually got married by robots at one point. Mm -hmm. And then Trump happened and he wrote one of the most brutal, it's a, the most brutal thing he ever did and it's straight up fucking hardcore grindcore and it's badass. And then he came back, you know, a year later and he's, it's like a little bit more DB hardcore, you know, just like straightforward, just pounding. Yeah. And I saw the last two tours that he did, and the last show was amazing. It was at this little club, these robots, and there were punks that were, you know, easily 20 years younger than me that were like freaking out in the pit. Yeah, people who don't know are going to a show and yeah. seeing a guy with a robot band playing. <laughs> and when they start playing, they're just like, this is everything I wanted to hear. This is punk rock. This is fucking awesome. Absolutely. And so, you know, he belittles himself. He's a little self-effacing, but I think that's all part of the deal. He deserves the accolades that we give him in my yep. opinion speaking of his last two records here is a captured by robot song we're gonna listen to a little bit and i want everyone to keep in mind that the instruments are all being played by the robots he made as in this is a recording of robots playing songs a human wrote on instruments that are made for humans but held and played by robots
Jaybot, my friend, welcome. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I was going to make a really good joke right there, but then I was like, oh, don't, don't start the interview with a, with a roast. Like, never start the interview with a roast. Well, you can feel free to heckle me because that's the relationship that you and I have is we heckle each other. All I want to do is roast these days. That's all I want to do. And oh, it's like, please. And everybody got so fucking serious with this COVID shit. And so oh, I nobody's, know. You can't make everybody's fun of losing it. their shit. So I don't know. Man, if this just becomes a roasting of Jeff episode, I'm so okay with that. <laughs> Get it in on it, John. Yeah. I'm an easy target these days. <laughs> I move slow. <laughs> J-Bot, we call you J-Bot, but why don't you tell us who you really are and what you do musically? Well, my name is J-Bot, and I have two robot bands. One band is called Captured by Robots, and another one is called Teddy Bear Orchestra. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. <laughs> It's robots that play rock and roll or grindcore or whatever. Or whatever you want them to do, but then they actually play. They play everything, yeah. This yeah. isn't like Milli Vanilli, like Chuck E. Cheese garbage bullshit. <laughs> like, it's a really... <laughs> they actually play every note you hear, and so... It's true. That's kind of cool. I mean, though, lately, I really kind of want to break out a little further because I've been hearing what people can do with some synthetic sounds. And it's like, uh, you know. So they're adding extra backing tracks. I've done like 20 years plus as a purist. So like, yeah. I think I can maybe take some liberties now, you know, and people will still be like, Ooh, the robot didn't play that. Yeah, they did. <laughs> like, yeah, they did. If you start faking it, that's when people can actually say that kind of crap and like gain some sort of credence, I think. You know what I mean? Like so far, you've only said that you play in a robot band. Yeah, but you don't just play in the band; you made the band. Well, yeah, I made the robots. Yeah, I mean, from so, scratch. From scratch. Well, I mean, you know, like there's the levels of scratch. Sure. Well, know, the like drum set was the drum set already, but like the drum, the drums existed, you know, like before. <laughs> so for those of us out here who have never built a robot from scratch, how can can you tell us what goes into that? Well, um, you think about what you want something to do, and then you come up with drawings and say, "Well, how could I, with the motion technology that I have, and with the you know whether it's going to be." electronic or on-off messages to turn valves on and off. You know, you mm -hmm. well, the basic thing is the physics behind it. So there's going to be something which will do some job and you design the mechanism that will do that job, you know, and then you utilize whatever kind of force you're going to use, air compression or, I mean, hydraulics, which I don't, would never use, or electronic. And then you just kind of design it. And if you don't know enough about any of those systems, you learn about them until you get that system down. Yeah. yeah, it's all just like if you want to do something and you don't know how, you got to learn it, and then yeah. you learn yeah. it, and you're like, well, okay, now I got it. So it's you know, so I've had to learn a lot of shit, like a lot. Of, I know so much fucking bullshit that I can't. No one else, <laughs> I can't share it with anybody. Yeah, but dude, just for the audience, I want to take it all the way back. The first footage I've ever seen of you is you with your drum bot, I believe, and you were just playing guitar and singing. And you were running your drum bot pneumatically with your feet. That's not pneumatically. That was with cable. It was a bicycle brake cable. See, this is like, what this oh, is what so I love. Cool. It's. I thought it was pneumatic. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Early on, like the first like five or six years of this band was like it was like ninety seven to two thousand yeah. three years, and that was uh, I basically made this fucking contraption that I just kind of strapped myself into and just went hog wild <laughs> yeah. like. It was like a one-man band. You know, I played, 
I played drums with my feet. It was kick, snare, and then hi-hat and crash. But yet I had two sticks on each so I could do all sorts of weird shit. And I was playing this stupid chest plate thing which controlled Guitar Bot, which was actually an auto harp at the time. Um, oh, which yeah. I had like 12 notes on it and shit. Yeah. And then, yeah, then I played like a three-string bass with my left hand and then, you know, just all hammer-ons. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And yeah, so I that was the beginning of it. But Yeah, so that's not know. that simple. God, that's so awesome. But it's simple for what you ended up doing because the next time I saw you. See, I didn't know how to build a robot. Like, so yeah. I was just like, well, I want to just, you know, let's just pretend like they're robots and I'll just yeah. control them all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so the next time you saw us, yeah, it was different. Yeah, and then I basically did what everybody does the first time they see you, although I saw you very early on, which was stare at Guitar Bot until my fucking brain hurt, and then yeah. stare at Drum Bot, and then Drum Bot scared the shit out of me, and I backed off to go get a beer, <laughs> and then I tried to heckle you, and you shot me down, and that's basically the story of our uh, relationship ever since, you know? Just I just remember playing with you guys so many times at uh, yeah. Funhouse. God, that's... Those, yeah, oh my God. Those, like, memories that, I mean fantastic memories and one time we played at it was this really weird venue it was i don't think it was Sudsy malone's maybe it was oh, no, I don't it know. was uh, it was sit and spin that was one sit of the first spin. times we ever played that first time yeah. i ever saw you was at sit and spin because my buddy was like dude jbot's playing you got to come see captured by robots and so i went and that's when i think i introduced myself to you and i was like hey i'm in a band that sings about science fiction writers and you were like hmm <laughs> and then it sort of just, at least it seemed like that's how it went down. I don't know. It was a long fucking time ago. It was like 2001 or something. So that seems yeah, like forever we're ago. we're so old. I know, dude. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're so old. I am. You're so old. <laughs> I'm the same. You look exactly the same. Your robots are better, though. So that's good. They're a lot better. They sucked shit back then. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about the look of your robots. Like, how do you design them aesthetically? Well, that's aesthetically is the last part of it. You know, first thing sure. I'm thinking is functional. But, well, there, okay, there's only one. Um, well, no, that's not true because there is an aesthetic to it. Yeah, there is. There is a, a look. Like a lot of robot guitarists I've seen, they basically just did a pneumatic matrix over the fingerboard, mm -hmm. you know? And I had the choice to do that when I first started doing this changeover. And I purposely decided not to do that for a reason. And that's when you have a matrix going, you can't really tell if that thing is fucking playing or not. Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. You don't see anything because yeah. it's all these little fucking, doo -doo -doo -doo, mm -hmm. you know? So I wanted to make mine a bar style with selective mute and stuff because that's just what seemed, you know, the aesthetic that had to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it gives you that physicality of it. Like, you know the robots are playing. Yeah, yeah, I dig. Yeah, it's got more of like a like a doomsday sci-fi robot vibe to it, which is you know the theme of the band is that you've been captured by the robots, right? So well, I have been. I mean, that's my whole I, life. Sure. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I mean, it turned uh, out to be true. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a joke at first. I knew this was for life from the beginning. Nobody else knew, but I did. Really? But I thought I did. Yeah. That's awesome. Let's take it back a little bit further. You've been in other bands before Captain. You were by Robot. born. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to yeah, go yeah, to yeah, after you were born. So let's talk about touring. What's the first band you ever toured oh. in? Well, okay, not not just like a one show thing. Well, but yeah, a full, but I mean, like, yeah, yeah, leave like town tour. and, you know. Was, you know yeah, it was probably yeah. Blue Meanies back in uh, Chicago. Uh -huh. yeah. You were in Blue Meanies? I started Blue Meanies, man, in oh, Carbondale, Illinois, 19, 1989. See, <sighs> there's some history there. Dude, were you in the band when you, you guys played Rock Candy with MU330? Must have been late 90s, mid 90s. I probably did, but I don't I know. I fucking loved you guys. <laughs> oh, great. I loved the Blue Meanies. That's amazing. <laughs> I had no idea. 
Holy shit. I loved the Blue Meanies. Yeah, they're good. I thought you had taste, dude. What the fuck? You know, we were all kids once. I know, I know. Well, I notice I, I am using past tense. So. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I've changed my opinion. No, I actually have a picture from my uh, punk rock scrapbook of me when I'm like 17 years old playing one of my very first shows in a Blue Meanies t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, call the doctor one. Or is the one with like the medical sign on it? Whatever that one was. No idea. Send help. That was it. Yeah. Actually, that was the era when I quit and oh, okay. I left. Okay. And so it's, yeah, it was its own thing till about 95. Mm-hmm. And that's when I quit and I just couldn't deal with it anymore. You know, yeah. that had gotten me to play with um, Skank and Pickle because we toured with them uh-huh. and they had problems with their bass player. And so he got kicked out in the middle of a tour. And so then <laughs> I had to jump in and learn all their songs in a day and Whoa. then start playing the rest of the tour with them. So yeah. I was doing two sets a night, you know, yeah. and so that was, did it. It worked out. Damn. Then I ended up playing with Skank and Pickle then when they kicked out their next bass player. <laughs> when I was living in California and, and uh-huh. I was playing with a drummer and he's like, hey, you want to go on a, a little, you know, ski tour? Ski tour? Yes, yeah, so there was like a fucking snow core or some bullshit. Snow <laughs> core. Snow core. <laughs> That's fucking bullshit. So a bunch of ski bums and snowboarders that like yeah, oh, I the imagine worst. so like the X Games style shit, but the worst people just oh. Man. <laughs> How old were you during this time? The early thirties. Okay. Well, let's see. Wait, so let me think. Maybe late twenties. Yeah, twenties. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, those bands aren't like huge or anything, but they were doing well. At least like when those oh, bands we were doing were, great. Yeah, yeah, when they came through Seattle, shows would be packed. So I mean, that's pretty awesome that's why i I played with pickle at least because it was like it just made sense because it was the most money i could make at a show (laughs) you know back then and so i did my time with them and and i didn't complain i mean maybe i'll complain a little bit but but yeah there was so much meth going around like back then and drugs and stuff so (laughs) not not me but like everybody else and so things got fucking nuts on the road there was this huge rift in the band because mike park was flying to all the shows because he wasn't happy to be in the van with all these people you know and probably (laughs) for good reason because you know it's like he could afford to do it you know and so he just flew but that creates a rift you know and so a bunch of other folks in the band were on speed like all the time Mm -hmm. no sleep (laughs) and so like at one point he was going to meet us in la for some festival i don't remember the name of it and he was flying down and so we were driving down there and lynette had been like up on a bender a long bender, like three days or something. She Mm -hmm. hadn't slept or something like that. So that was all, you know, the math. And so she just, she was just like, Mike Park's got to be out of the band. He's going to be out today. Like he was like, hey, she's like that motherfucker, like just going crazy and shit oh, no. yeah. uh-huh. and crying. And we're at some fucking gas station. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, what the fuck is this bullshit? Yeah. You know? And so finally we're like, yeah, okay, well, I guess. And so we like drove to fucking LA or Santa Barbara or something like that. And he like meets up with us there. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, okay, we have to have a band meeting or whatever. I'm like, what the fuck oh, is going Jesus. on? They're like, yeah, you're out of the band. And he was like, wait, what? Like, he just didn't understand, but he was fine with it. But it was just, I was watching the band devolve. Yeah. Like, that was like the beginning of the band's descent into like obscurity. Because, like, basically, my last show with them was their last show and they didn't even know it, which oh, was kind of yeah, weird. Oh, crazy. Yeah. 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 Cloying Court in Berkeley. 
Dang. At that point, had you kind of started fucking around with robots and you were kind of doing your own thing, or did that happen a little later? Or- I did robots because I got tired of playing with people. A lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason why I stopped enjoying playing with people was because people fucking suck. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lie. <laughs> I mean, like... It, we could hang out for a day or two. Like, it would sure. probably be great, you know? Yeah. But then when you're trying to create with somebody else, and then you throw drugs into the mix. I mean, no offense to drugs. I love drugs. But I mean, it's just, I don't know, man. You put people in those situations, and the stress just get, builds up. And, oh, man, it's like the bullshit that comes out is just the worst. Yeah. And then you travel together on tour, and you can't get away from each other, right? Like, you can't get a minute to yourself. And if you're in a fucking ska band, that's six, seven, <laughs> yeah, eight, nine people. Too many people. <laughs> And so you want to get some fucking dinner. And so you pull off to get dinner. Well, you know, you don't want to be like part of this camp going into this restaurant of nine people. And everybody has to agree on the one restaurant. Yeah. That's And then there'll be clicks within the band. Like, you know, there'll be these two, three people really get along. And then this other person doesn't get along with this person. And it's like, man, I got no fucking headspace for that bullshit. Like. Fuck. That's an element of ska bands that never even occurred to me is the clicks within the clicks. Like you don't mm. get that in like like I always played in three pieces. And yeah, power trios, four, oh, yeah. Four, ba- four people tops. Yeah, that's crazy. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. So I was there the night Mike Mattingly got kicked out of Skank and Pickle. And it was really hilarious. <laughs> we were playing in New Jersey and uh, I, mm-hmm. he was really unhappy with the band. He had been playing stupid ska songs like Fakin' Jamaican for <laughs> 10 years or something like that. And he was just having a breakdown. He was losing his fucking mind and yeah. he got really, really drunk. And he used to wear this wig that he would like go on and off his fucking head like, oh, oh, oh look, I'm bald. I'm not, you know. And so he's wearing this. There was usually a prop, but he was wearing this like before the show and he's super drunk and he's holding his bass and he's wearing his little suit that he wears and shit like that. He was just complaining about the band so much he hated his life and he was so wasted. So I made a joke to him about something and he kicked me in the fucking chest. <laughs> oh, shit. And I was so <laughs> pissed off because I was like, they were just about to go on. So I was like, okay, well, you're going to pay for this. So I snuck up behind him when he was, because he's so drunk, he wasn't paying any attention. He's blabbering on to mm-hmm. somebody. And I detuned all of his bass tuners. <laughs> oh, shit. Really floppy. And he didn't even notice. And so he gets up on stage to play, and they count it off. You know, fake and Jamaican, it. Here we go. One, two, three, four. And the horns come in. And then, you know, two more of those, because you got to do a you know, section four. Yeah. And then drums go, and then the bass starts playing, and it's like, he didn't know it and so the look on his face looking down at his base and he was so confused as to what was happening and mike park ran over and turned off the singer he turned off the amp and so now there's no bass Mm -hmm. and mike is like doesn't know what the fuck's going on there were two mics so uh, anyways Finally, like after that song, he ends up getting it tuned back and shit. And then he just goes off on tangents about how much he hates the band and stuff like that. And that's the night he was kicked out. And Fun. that's the yeah. night that I, <laughs> I had to replace him for the rest of that tour. But yeah, it was. Um, that's amazing. We're not going to say it it's your of- fault. But <laughs> it was just good to be able to get somebody back for kicking me in the chest. Yeah. Fair that's enough. Not, that's not yeah. cool. Yeah. Sometimes you got to get people back for stupid shit that they do that they mean to do. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. what we're doing right like, now to you. 
We're making you be on our podcast. So what was the first tour like with robots where you're actually setting up and tearing down robots every night? Yeah, did you have someone with you or were you by yourself? Or I think my first tour to the Capture Robots, my girlfriend came along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And not all of them, but you know, she she had time off, and so she came with me and stuff like that. But that was back when I was doing the foot pedal shit, you know. So Mm -hmm. I mean, that was way back. But that was the first, you know, touring with robots, you know, and and it was a paying dues kind of a a thing. Yeah, you had to to get that out. But I had the name of of Skank and Pickle and Blue Meanies at the time, which meant something back then. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I I was received very well by everybody, pretty much. But yeah, it just seemed kind of new and awesome, but you know different from touring yeah definitely with people like oh man at its craziest most elaborate setup because i know you've had a variety of different setups what is the longest it's taken to like set up and take down every night the worst one was i did a 10-year anniversary tour Mm. and i made a robot opening band Mm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay yeah so you had the the teddy bears opening (laughs) yeah so back then I would do really well at at clubs. Like we would just, you know, we would bring a lot of people out. And so I didn't really need openers and the openers they would put me with just sucked. Just (laughs) they they were horrible. Uh, Bloodhag accepted. Well, no, this was, this was. I know uh, I'm just fucking with you, man. Well, Bloodhag was one of my favorites. But, uh, but yeah, so I was like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to make a robot opening band. <laughs> and so that, like, how funny is that? And I was yeah. like, I think I could yeah. do it. But it was doomed from the start because, like, I kept having problems that I wasn't expecting to have, like, with the teddies. Like, things weren't working right and I couldn't figure it out. And then I had a couple other issues. And I started to run out of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and so the tour was supposed to start and I had to cancel the beginning part of the tour because I was not ready. Oh, shit. I just wasn't expecting all this extra weird shit that happened that I couldn't figure out. And so, yeah, I had to start the tour two weeks late. Wow. And start in Atlanta. So I was like, well, I mean. Oh, my God. Oh, well. So just drive to Atlanta? Yeah. (laughs) And then so every day, that was a four-hour setup. Yeah. Every day. That's the setup. That's that's insane. Dude, did you have a roadie at that time? Uh, No. This was post-roadie. I don't know, actually. Would you mind indulging me in not super detailed, but high-level, like, walk me through the setup? That four-hour setup, like, like, what do you first, second, third, fourth, seventh, twelfth, whatever? Well, I mean, I don't remember what the order was back then, but I mean, you know, I had to set up these guys, the teddy bears, yeah. you know, yeah. and their setup was very similar to what it is now, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. So they had to get set up, and then this was back when I had more robots too. Yeah, you had a lot more robots. So then I had to set up Captain Robots, which was Drumbot. Another robot called Automaton, which played Tom's, uh-huh. which was fucking stupid to ever separate the two. <laughs> but it looked cool. <laughs> it looked like there was like a robot garage sale on stage. That's what it looked like. <laughs> you know? A flea market. <laughs> and then I had the fucking apes I had to set up, and then I had the horn section to set up. So, I mean, so that was four hours. Easy. Yeah. Plus merch, you know. So three and a half plus half for merch. Wow. I mean, I guess you were, you were always pretty well established. But do you ever have a club? Like you show up with your robot and a club just like didn't know and they had a bad reaction or they're just like what the fuck is this like what are you even doing what are you talking about like every night I play that <laughs> if, if I don't play a club often they're gonna be like well I wasn't sure if they were gonna be real robots so I guess like, <laughs> did you not read my writer asshole <laughs> <Fucker>. <laughs> 
I'm not a dick. I'm just being me. You know, it's like it's not that I'm a dick. It's just like people are horrible. Yeah, they're hard to deal with. I'm just trying to get away from it. I'm just trying to get away from these fucking people and from these like king in the castle sound people that I'll get once in a while, uh, which just make me oh, crazy. Yeah. Where they have to tell me every little fucking thing how they do it and how they you know could you do this and this and this yeah. to change your shit and it's like dude just let me be you yeah. know and then there's been some times where I've had to call the sound person on their shit and be like well I'm not doing that so I mean I'm just not going to play so oh, yeah. let's talk to your manager yeah. and see what could happen let's talk to the promoter right now and just see whether or not my way is the yeah because I, I I never I never want to do that but oh. sometimes I just get these guys who are so mad at something me or or, or their situation mm-hmm. well it's the grumpy sound guy it's something that I've been trying to fight against my whole entire life dude I showed up once and the sound man was wasted and I mean fucking wasted and I, I called the promoter I'm like dude I can't work with this guy he's like falling over <laughs> you need a sober sound guy. Like, so what do you got for your kick drum you need 57 <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess I'm big eh, it's true stories <laughs> it's, it's true stories I think if you're mean and you're funny I think you should get a pass I really do I don't think that just being mean and a dick, like that's one yeah. thing, but being a dick and being funny like that, y- you get a pass. Yeah. Well, when guitar butt yells at you and they put you down, then that's when you know you've been put down because when guitar butt says something, it'll just throw you in your face. Well, robots delivering some roast is pretty fucking great. It's totally yeah, it's great. Like, it's totally great. That's what allows you to be as dickish as you want to be on stage is because you can have robots say what you want to say, you know, but you're still the captured one at that point. Although not anymore because you have kind of a new shtick. And frankly, I'm into it, man. The, the I'm last still, two records. What are you talking about? I'm still captured. You are. I'm still just as captured as ever, but it's, I just don't, I don't wear a, a yeah. stupid ass gimp mask yeah. anymore and don't have my. <laughs> I had surgery to put my guts back yeah, in, so now I have decent gut. <laughs> you're not free, but you're you're in better shape. Let's just put it that way. Um, I'm gonna have to disagree with you there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, these days with Captured by Robots, I am absolutely fucking tortured on the road, but it's okay because I love what I'm doing. Yeah, but I'm absolutely getting tortured every night it's like i'm crying constantly and i just keep working on the stuff and it's like like i'm a true fucking believer when it comes to the stuff that i'm singing about and stuff and so i get really way over emotional when i'm singing these songs and shit and so to bring that up every night it just tears you up but i can't it's the only way i can do it i can't like just mouth the words and just kind of let my shit go off like this has to be like as visceral and i have to be in the emotion of the song at the time and it's every night you know but it's um that plus the tour schedule just yeah beats the fuck out of me yeah grindcore but that's what the grindcore should be that's what i think it should be and i totally agree the last two shows that i've seen of your last two records have been cathartic for me as well dude i mean seriously like really enjoyed it well you're saying i'm just speaking for myself no no i I hear no i'm just i'm telling you from a from not just from a fan but uh from an audience member just uh, you know just being there it's fucking super fun Hey, I think this is a good time to stop just for a second and listen to something off of Captured by Robots' new record, which is pretty fucking hardcore.
let's talk about vehicles that you have traveled in. Yeah. Because you have to move these robots, and you've had multiple yeah. vehicles, some of which have been better than others. Yeah. My first touring van was my, I bought this van from uh, All You Can Eat. It was abandoned Bay Area. Okay. And I bought Seth's uh, Tradesman B100, I think. And it was, so it was a 318, and it had um, manual. Uh-huh. transmission three and on so, the tree or? oh nice nice yeah yeah four on the floor <laughs> three on the tree actually oh, man. Oh, okay. no but it was moved to the floor okay so it used to be on the tree and then they just cut a hole and put it there. <laughs> we should tell people what we're talking about right now yeah. what's three on the tree and what's four on the floor transmission if your old vehicles had a tree style like your car in you know park and drive like it was and an shit. automatic it was the, but it's on the yeah, if i was on the column yeah you just shift one two three four on the column just like you would shift yeah. to drive you used to have a clutch yeah that, yeah it's yeah. like a it's like a lever you put your foot on the clutch and then there's a lever like usually under the steering wheel that a van is a vehicle that people used to tour in. <laughs> <laughs> and then four on the floor was a traditional before the stick infection shift. of covid <laughs> <laughs> now people tour in ambulances only god damn man this bullshit so you were saying about your van sorry so anyway so that van i had and i was like well i'm not gonna have enough room to tour in this thing so i found a friend who had a um, volkswagen bus that was missing the tranny and the engine and i was like would you sell it to me and he's like well they're gonna be taking it pretty soon and i was like no problem i'll come over there so i cut it in half so that it was the windshield up mm-hmm. you know all the way around and then a dude there had a forklift and so they forklifted it up on top of my van and then I cut out the roof of my van and oh folded it up <laughs> into the other into the VW and then screwed my van roof into that to hold it on. And it worked great. Oh shit, that's amazing. Oh, yeah, this uh you have a tendency to modify things. To be awesome? Is that what you're gonna say? Yes. Yeah. That is awesome, and I'm not gonna deny that. But you No, Jeff, you're right. It's like it's speaking to like an un canny like do whatever the fuck you can think of to solve a problem yeah. that's in front of you right or like you have a vision of what you want to do which is like I want to play in a band with robots so I'm going to teach myself how to build robots and do that and like you hit on it that's what it is the van I have is not going to work so I'm going to cut the roof off and like put another roof on top of the van I mean like exactly so many people don't even think of that shit they don't even think to try that right that's you modify what you what fixing you need. mistakes that's what you said you, 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 you know, you're <laughs> fix, you'll fix the problem Problem. It's yeah. That's my whole life. A problem will come up, and then I'll be like, "Okay, we got to fix that problem." Yeah. And then I go to the next problem, and then in design, I'll be like, "Okay, that's really great." But then there's this one problem, so it's like I fix that problem, and so my whole life is just fixing one problem after another. A lot of times, I'll be on stage, and something will go wrong, and I'll have to fix a problem in front of a whole bunch of people. But I do it every day, so it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. You know. Do so. you find that you get joy from that? Like, is it satisfying to you to like feel like you're constantly accomplishing these things? Um, kind. No, I mean, after every win, I mean, I'm like, oh, cool. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I bet. (laughs) I'm glad that's done. But I've done it so much now where, I mean, the only time when I really get a, I get a real like build boner is when I just do something that is so outlandish when I finally start putting the device through its paces um, and I start seeing what it can do. And if it ever surpasses what I was hoping for, that's when I really just get really manic and just start feeling really kind of crazy. Do you have an example of like, what's a build that you're super proud of? Something that I did a while back was um, 
GuitarBot's pick is real special. Mm-hmm. It's like it uh, uses two separate motions. It uses a downward thrust towards the strings and then a, you know moving across the string at the same time. Now, the key of that is getting it timed so you can do the equivalent of all down picks. Mm-hmm. And that's very important in guitar. If you're doing up picks, down pick, like back and forth, it just sounds mm-hmm. wrong. It'll always sound wrong unless you're playing the stupidest bullshit. So, <laughs> so I figured out this way to make this linkage, and it worked really well in the beginning and stuff. But then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to add bushings and everything and make it nice and tight, and so see what it can really do. And then I started putting it through its paces with cycling it and cycling it insanely uh-huh. fast and doing all these things, and it just performed. It just really performed. And and I, and, I, and I found that I could actually do something that I didn't plan on it being able to do, and it just worked. Oh, sweet. I stumbled upon it, like this flutter picking that's like ridiculous. And I was like, oh my ah. gosh. Like, oh, that's so cool. Like, yeah, that was, I just wanted to like scream to the heavens, you know, like this is alive, you know, but yeah, I have to yeah. wait till I do shows and then people can see the shit that yeah. I do. So. Yeah. And so, so technically with the robots that you're doing, just to bring up another thing that I thought was really cool is like, I remember seeing something on Facebook about you, like what's the fastest blast beat anybody has ever done. And oh. <laughs> It seemed like Drumbot beat out everybody oh, yeah. except for people who pretended like a roll was a blast beat, oh, which yeah. it is not. Yeah. No. You oh, yeah. know what I mean? And it, I, I got on there and I was like, one that's hand. a roll. That's, that's not hand. a blast beat. It, one hand. Yeah, it's got a, one hand, one stick. Let's just, you one know. One hand, you know, one foot. That's what you got. Yeah. You can't do You know, you doing double kicking. And it's so fun to hear how fast you guys could play once you'd figured out. Yeah, that was about the time that did that other thing where I was kind of putting it through its paces. I was like, well, what can DroneBot do and where is the yeah. ceiling? Because I had never hit the ceiling before. And then yeah. I started going through it and it's like, okay, well, oh, wow, there's a, the ceiling's really fucking high, like way higher than I need. Because I don't like doing songs that are, you know, um, cockroach core, you know? Yeah. So touring with a band, like when you have a group, you tend to get pretty tight and there's a sense of like camaraderie and almost like we're invincible kind of attitude that comes with it and it can lead to positive outcomes and negative outcomes but what one of the things that does happen there is that you're kind of rolling with the crew and when shit goes down you've got multiple people to help you out or who have your back There's a little bit of a gang there yeah yeah so the flip side touring by yourself you don't have a gang you don't have a crew you don't necessarily have people who have your back there's ever been a point where you've been on tour you like you hit a snag or you're like in a tight spot and you're like God, I wish I had some help right now. Or like, oh, fuck, I'm in a bad situation. Kind of, but, you know, but it's always worked out. You know, I mean, I'm pretty good with my words. Mm-hmm. Like, if I have to, I can manipulate the fuck out of somebody, especially a crazy person <laughs> or, like, cops or whatever. Like, Yeah, I what guess, about a cop? That's what I was going to say. I mean, I, I've gotten pulled, I mean, I've gotten woken up a million times in the van, you know, back in the day, before I really knew where to, to sleep, you know, mm-hmm. to not uh, get harassed. Yeah. You know, you're guaranteed... Well, for the most part, never to get harassed at a truck stop or a um, rest area generally um, or Walmart parking lots. Um, Everywhere else is fair game. Yeah. I do residential sometimes if I have to, but um, I try not to because you never know if you park in front of that busybody's house. But sometimes I don't have a choice. I just have to sleep somewhere. And so I just go for it, you know? Yeah. So do you always sleep in your van or do you ever like crash with people or get a hotel? Yeah. I mean, I'm not religious to it, you know? A lot of times people will offer me places and, and, you know, I just really want to take a shower and sometimes I step foot in the shower and I'm like, holy shit, like I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't take a shit in this bathtub. Like, why did I do this? Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, so on those nights, I'll probably go, I'm gonna be like, yeah, I'm going to go sleep in the van. Like, it's just, it's more yeah. comfortable for me tonight. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just won't want the van. Like, if I'm, if I'm in a really bad mood, sometimes I get in a really upset mood and I'm on the road because something will go wrong or, you know, very, you just get moody on the road, you know. So, sure. Or if I'm working too hard sometimes and there's no relief from it, then, then yeah. I get in a bad mood. But, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stay at people's houses. Like, I, I one of the first shows on this tour, I was just so tired because I, I had been preparing for a while, but I just was not ready for the tour at all. Even though I did all everything I had to yeah. do, I just mentally I wasn't really ready. And so the first show just destroyed me. And I was, you know, it was awful. And this guy offered me a place to stay. And I was like, yeah, okay. And, you know, the thing you look for with dudes generally is if they wear jeans, they're generally going to be like, their house is going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? What? <laughs> What's okay. the other clothes they could wear? Well, shirt tucked in to pants, oh, you're pretty uh, much guaranteed mm. a, a nice spot. Sure. But, That's fair yeah. enough. But these days I ask, like, do you have a, you know, like, They'll be like, if you need a place to stay, I'll be like, well, what do you have? You know, I was like, do you have, is it like animals everywhere or is it, is it a room or is it a couch? You know, just because I, I don't want to have any pretext, especially if I'm in a bad mood to like go to somebody's house and just be subjected to bullshit. But yeah. Um, yeah. it ended up that this guy was amazing. He was a fucking sculptor and he did all this beautiful work with these crazy googly eyed freak puppet monstrosities he makes it was the most amazing nice. thing. and he lived in this incredible spot in salt lake city i've never even been to never seen before it was like sent from the gods it was awesome that's so cool <laughs> so yeah some nights i fucking need it and yeah. when people offer i am so thankful and i would never say a bad word about anybody who of does course, that because yeah. they are just the salt of the earth people have helped me so much and i just can't thank them enough because it's the only thing that really keeps me alive sometimes on the road um, when I'm sick and stuff, and then I have a place where someone will let me stay for two nights if I have the time off. Mm. Those two nights to recover is just, it yeah. just saves my life, you know, yeah. guaranteed. And you do all the driving too, right? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I could give the wheel to a robot, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, dude. Not Insert yet. bad robot joke here. <laughs> I would never, good sir. I would never. You should build a robot driver. <laughs> you have a robot running? <laughs> right. You're right. It's obvious. It's a rhetorical statement. Just basically meant to point out that, like, I don't think a ton of people out there know how exhausting it is to be the driver for a long stretch, right? Well, when you want it to be over, yes. But other times, it's okay. Let's say you have a seven-hour drive you got to do, and when you get to about hour five, a lot of times you're like, "Ooh, God, I just yeah. want to be done." But yeah. but that's why coffee was invented. So you yeah. drink some coffee, <laughs> and maybe get a snack. You know, but my thing is, um, I will never, ever, ever fall asleep while driving because I had a cousin who died that way. Oh, uh, Oh, shit. Yeah. And so I think of that every time. I never drive through the night. I will never. Yeah. It's the one, you know, you, when you tour by yourself, you got to have rules and those rules. Yeah. 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 Give me those, some tour rules. Well, like anything, you know lock everything up you know um, mm-hmm. make sure that you know keep an eye on who's around the van you know what i mean like yeah. just oh yeah keep an eye on shit you know i got curtains that go up so nobody can see inside that's a super important oh yeah because you know? sometimes i'm in there so you don't know maybe maybe mm-hmm. he's in there yeah so there's i don't know there's a, a a lot of rules you know like i try to limit myself to like two shots a night 
sometimes it gets way more than that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> but generally, that's where I you know stick it to you know because that's mm-hmm. that's enough to make you kind of not have to pay too many consequences. But yeah, loosey goosey. But I should cut it out entirely. I know it probably makes me sick on the road because I never get sick when I'm home, but I get sick on the road a lot, and it's probably from the whiskey. But you think it's the whiskey and not just microbes that you're not used to? You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot to be said for that shit. Microbes, yes, but I do think the biggest thing for me, and I discovered this on this last tour because I had a uh-huh. sin- sinus thing I couldn't kick. I never would turn it into an infection because I never let it stay there because um, I use a neti pot with uh, yeah. hydrogen peroxide in there. will knock out oh, any yeah, sinus infection. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah I'm right. It will. So I killed the infection multiple times, but then it just kept lingering and just hanging out. Mm-hmm. And so that's the biggest problem with touring by myself is just I get exhausted and, and not having enough days off, you really fuck yourself up bad. And so you don't have that time to, like this last tour, I was on six days a week. Ooh. And then the seventh day sometimes would be a drive day. So it was like I had uh, no days off because to me, a day off is like I will sit in a chair and not do anything. Like that's what yeah. I want to do on my day off. Or yeah. like, I don't have the energy to go places and do things. Like, it's just, you know, this is work. And even if I had a, yeah. like helpers, like a roadie and, you know, merch person and stuff, it wouldn't be as much work. But then I'd have to pay them and I would want to pay them fairly. And I don't make enough money for that. So, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. And then you'd yeah. also have to deal with them. <laughs> we had a conversation once where, you know, you stayed at my house. The last time you came on tour, and fortunately, uh, in my new house, I have in January. This last yeah, and, oh, yeah, and I have room. I have room for your bus and you yeah, know, or your great. your van or whatever. And it was fucking great. And you got to hang out. We got to go yes. out to breakfast. It was and, wonderful. Oh, it's a lot of fun. And I I know my wife Abby has actually said many times. Uh, shout out to Abby. She puts up with our podcast. Thank you, Abby. Yeah. (laughs) You know, she was like, I really like that guy. I've never met him before. And I've seen his band like 10 times. Oh, wow. She saw me get married to my (laughs) ex-wife at your show. She was at that thing. I don't know if you know this, John, but my last marriage was actually... I was married by robots. Oh, shit. I never knew that. Yeah, we had a wedding tour. It was at a Capture by Robot show. Oh, that's so cool. And so anyway, Abby was so happy that, you know, she finally got to meet you and talk to you. And she's like, I like that guy. He thinks the same way I think, you know, because you say all this stuff on Facebook. And it's a little vitriolic, which is what we expect from someone who is in Captured by Robots. But at the same time, you said something to me that really stuck, which was like, this is weird. Now I have to leave, and I'm so comfortable now, and then I got to get back into my road mode, and this is like uncomfortable at that point, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, anytime you're touring and you've got this, you're on a schedule, you know, and especially once you're, let's say, two or three shows in, Mm -hmm. you're not quite road-hardened yet. Yeah. That happens after a week, usually, or sometimes less, Mm -hmm. but where... At some point, nothing can harm you anymore because you're just invincible. Like you're just, you have a, something magically comes over you where you bring all comers. Yeah. It's, I don't, that happens to me at least. But early on, you know, like when you stay at somebody's house and even later on, once you get that brief moment to chill your shit and take it down a notch where you're actually not thinking about schedule and all the worries that are constantly buzzing around you, which you have to have. They're just, they're constantly oh, yeah, like, yeah, you do spinning in your brain like okay we got to balance this and we got to do that and we got to not forget about this and then da, 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 da. so for that moment that you're hanging out with friends you could just let it go and it's not even there anymore but then once you have to leave like somebody's house you stayed at and you have to go to the next show you're joining the world of chaos again you're joining mm-hmm. uncertainty and things are going to mess up and when that happens it's uh 
it sucks shit. It's like being reborn into a horrible world that you <laughs> never wanted to yeah, belong like I in. I was but so you just, comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and, but you know, you, you know you can't stay. So you yeah. just you just go and you just say, well, this is a feeling that happens, and I, I can't tell you how many times is that. I, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of times. I've yeah, we know that feeling. We all know that feeling. Yeah, but it's 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 a very significant on the road. I think, especially because it's you know when it's just you, you're you're not. Um, I mean, I have a, a little teddy bear roadie. His name is the Let's Go Bear, and we hang out. You know? <laughs> All this time, I thought you were by yourself. And when shit goes down, you know, I'll be like, "Did you see that shit?" And you know, he'll say, "Yeah." I was like, "Oh." Sometimes I give him a hug, and I'm feeling really bad. You know, it's like, I mean, having a teddy bear is a great thing. Yeah, agreed. So, Jaybot, you got any wild and crazy stories? Any times you've ever like been up against some real danger? Are you too smart for that? You keep yourself out of those situations. I don't know. I usually keep myself out of the situations. That's yeah. I usually like I'm usually scanning people around me mm-hmm. all the time to just see what they're up to and stuff, you know. Uh, but the scariest thing, which was not I don't know, wasn't that scary. Is that the scariest time? Yeah, that's probably the scariest thing. I had a guy I was rolling out after a show and I had to get down somewhere. Uh, that was really far away and so I, I sometimes leave after the show and then I spend the night in a mm-hmm. truck stops or mm-hmm. in, a, in a rest area and so the rest area that I was coming up to was like it was just at the time when I had to go to bed like it was I was exhausted and that's that's the place I was going to sleep yeah so I'm pulling up and there's a fucking yeah. dude walking up the entrance ramp like on the shoulder just from no just on the shoulder walking up the fucking end. and I was like oh classic well, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna pass this motherfucker and he's walking an entrance wrap so I know he's gonna know that I'm in the van so he's gonna come and yeah. fucking do some shit you're like this guy so I pull up my curtain and you know park and everything like that and sure enough oh my god yeah knocks on the window Nuh-uh. and I ignored him and just left him and then uh. he did it again and so I like jumped out of bed and I had my knife. I pulled the crib back. What the fuck do you want? And he was like, hey, man, uh, you know, my car broke down over there a little ways back. And, uh, and, and, and my wife, you know, she. Yeah, sure it did. She needs some, some gas. And yeah, I mean, it was like, it was a stupid fucking story. And I'm like, you think I'm going to give you fucking money right now? It's like three in the morning at a rest area. Like, fuck off. <laughs> It just yeah. kind of scared me, you know? So, but anyway, so then he walked off in a huff and uh, um, I wouldn't have been able to sleep, but then I saw somebody pulled up and he got into their car and then he left. And so after he left, I was like, okay, it's probably safe to sleep. And so I did. Uh, and, you know, but yeah. yeah, he's just running the same old scam. Middle of the night scams like that at rest stops are scary, you know? Bad shit happens at rest areas. But yeah, yeah. he's probably That's, counting on you feeling intimidated and giving him money to go away. Oh, God, no way. Right. I don't give nobody. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Generally, I, I try to um, steer clear of places where I'll have problems. Yeah. In most of those places, I can park. It's like no big deal. And then if I'm going to a restaurant, I'm in and out, you know, and I always put up the curtains. So, like, I'm not encouraging anybody to look into my van and do a crime of, like, stealing a laptop or something like that. Not that I even have one on the road, but still. 
Totally. Mm, you know, so yeah. I have a cat guard on my cat so nobody can steal my catalytics because fuck them. <laughs> I, took a, I took a security yeah, guard and I fucking that cut that shit so it makes hey, a perfect so- guard where you're going to cut the shit out of yourself if you try to steal them. So. See, because you're always modifying everything you have. Everything I own is modified in some fucking way. I can't stop. I can't stop it. Yeah. That's the thing for me which I cannot understand how people can live with imperfect design. I, I don't just see something and then say, I mean, unless it's something that's totally out of my realm of fucking with you know but I, I see something that's imperfect and i'm like this yeah. can be better like what needs to change to make this better and that is the mantra of my life is like what can make this better always <laughs> always <laughs> the only time i could leave anything right. alone is if it's um the, actually that's the kiss of death for me if i leave it alone then i don't care about it ah yeah you're just like it's done yeah, it is what it is. Fuck this like, thing. My air compressor and the original design worked, but I had never messed with it in all the, you know, 15 years I was, you know, using air yeah. compression for this last time. And so after this last tour, I had been running out of air because the songs were just getting a little too extreme. And so I was like, I bet I could squeeze more air out of this air compressor. Uh-huh. And so I looked at the design and kind of had some ideas and did those ideas. And sure enough, I increased the air by like 20%. And then I chopped out one of the tanks, so I had less of a reservoir. And it worked in Canada, so I know I did it right, because Canada is 15 and breakers. And so if it works in Canada, that means it's yeah. always going to work in the U.S. So without popping a... Nice. That's true, because we got 20 amp breakers down Yeah, because that's one of the issues, is that yeah. if you make a compressor compress more air with each stroke, you'll use more current to do that. And so that's the key to this mm-hmm. whole thing like and, but also i learned that once you get above a certain pressure you use a lot more power so like let's say anything over 90 psi uses quite a bit more amperage to run so i don't need psi that high so i'll just run my psi at like 80 or 90 yeah and i'll never hit that threshold where it's dangerous so i'm gonna modify it again and see how much air i could squeeze out of this bitch. it's gonna be great you never run out of air anymore at this point i mean like on this last tour yeah. i'd be like at this one song, I'd be like, oh, great, this is the part where the pick stops working because I just, I wrote the song too, <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. it just draws too much air at this one point, you know? I mean, who would think to port their fucking air compressor, though? I mean, what kind of fucking idiot would do that? And it's, uh, one yeah, person? It's so out of my league. It's so out of my league. You and a very small amount of people on the internet. <laughs> I've been looking for somebody to talk to about this shit, and no one knew. And everybody who would know, because they're engineers, yeah. were just like, well... It could work, but it might make less air. They don't want to commit to anything, you know, uh, but it's like, well, they just honestly just don't know. Yeah, because they don't want to be known as that guy who said that thing or something. I got good hunches on people uh-huh. and on um, things these days, like on what things will work in physics. But I didn't used to have good people skills, but I, I got better 20-something years. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> okay, now's a good time to take a quick break, and we're going to wind the clock back, actually, and we're going to go way back to J-Bot's early career and listen to some ska. No, we're not. No fucking way. We're not doing <laughs> <Joker>. that. Joker. <laughs> Even though I wouldn't mind putting a Blue Meanies song on here. <laughs> Blue Meanies are great. Uh, th- they're actually good. Um, but no, we're going to listen to some more Captured by Robots. Here is one of J-Bot's favorite tunes. Shut the my fist. There'll be no one taking you. You came up with your 
I had a roadie steal from me, like, and he stole. I was going to say, you had a roadie once that you didn't have good people skills. Yeah. What's that story? He was cool and came with me on this tour when I was supposed to meet up with another roadie, and that guy flaked. And so this guy just dropped everything and came with me on the road. And it was, I was so thankful. And he seemed like a really great yeah. guy. But a few days later, like I played it um, mm-hmm. somewhere in Alabama and I stayed with my friend out there. And after I left, he was like, hey man, um, my wife is missing a bunch of her narcotic pills from our medicine cabinet. Uh-oh. And I was like, Duh. and they're like, we think he did it. And I was like, I, I, man, I don't think he would have done that. I don't think he would have. And so it was kind of dropped. But no, it was him. Yeah. I didn't realize it for a long time. Like I invited him on other tours and we went out again and again. And then at one point, I noticed I was making a lot less money than I should have been making for merch because I never did any counts. I was just trust mm-hmm. trusting, you know? an idiot that I am. Uh, <laughs> you've learned better. Well, yes and no. I mean, I think that's the number one thing to know about yourself if you're going to do anything like this is that you have to realize that you're a fucking idiot. And so you got to do things so that your stupid fucking brain won't screw shit up. But anyways, yeah, so I discovered that and he ended up quitting. And then I found out later that he had sold other people's medicines to them. And then I actually have a, we said somebody, and he did the same thing to them. And the guy, I think, still dislikes me for that. Like the guy who we stayed with. And I, I, no. I don't know, like to apologize for it now just seems like it's so long ago. And I don't know. I don't know. I just... I mean, I always felt bad about it, but I only found out about it way after the fact. And it was like, oh, yeah, that sucks. this is why I'm good with people now, yeah. because now I recognized like kind of the shystiness in some people. And I really, I pay attention, you know? Mm-hmm. I like that you defaulted to trust though. I mean, like we almost always had a roadie with us on tour and we never did counts. Like it was always very trusting. I think one of our roadies would volunteer count. If he was stealing, it would cover it up for himself yeah, a little or bit their more. Bro. But <laughs> hey, you want to see these doctor numbers yeah. I just brought up? Look at this. Right. But default to trust, man. Just just be a good person. Try to put good energy out there and hopefully it comes back to you. Well, but you know, you can't do that anymore. I mean, like back then I thought I could, but it's I obviously couldn't. So you know you learn. Yeah. And so yeah. now I don't trust anybody. Or rarely, if I have to trust somebody, I will. But like, uh, but generally it's like I try to not put myself in situations where I have to trust somebody's word. You know, mm-hmm. except for, you know, promoters and stuff like that. Like, I mean, some of the salt of the earth and fucking great people, you know, I trust them, not many other people. You're pretty landlocked, aren't you? You say you toured America and Canada, but you haven't been over to Europe or anything, have you? No, I, I know I could. I just um, ship your robots. Yeah, you would. I would fly them over. Um, wow. It's kind of in the works right now. I'm just I'm very on the fence about it. I mean, I know I want to do it, um, but the problem is, is that I get really used to the same way of doing things every night and mm-hmm. without having my van and like my usual infrastructure and security stuff that I usually like to do and backup parts like without all those I would not feel very safe about anything I'm doing like if something breaks I might not have a spare and then I'm yeah. in deep shit yeah. and so you know in that way it's kind of like well fuck if I'm over in Europe I'm not going to have any of that luxury I need to be super smart about this stuff I'd have to pretty much drive I think because trains I don't think I'd be able to put my robots on the trains no well you would drive you'd have to get someone to drive you yeah so I just don't know any of that shit but you can drive yourself you just have to remember to what side of the road no way <laughs> I do not. Yeah. I mean, no, you'd hire a driver. Actually, it'd be good for you because you could get a Sprinter and you could have all your shit in the Sprinter and you wouldn't have to fucking drive and you'd get one of those time-tested dudes who, like, just yeah. kicks ass at driving around Europe. We've been talking about it and I just, I really feel like like maybe my next release really needs to be something that 
gets distributed out there or gets, you know, like I get some buzz going out there first, but I would like to, but I'm just, I'm finally just starting to hit my stride with Capture Robots. I feel like I really know where I want to go next with it. So, um, cool. I just want to suck a lot less. Like that's the thing with all my albums. (laughs) Everything that I write sucks. And so I just keep trying to make it better. And then sometimes I'm like, well, that's not too bad, you know, but it's, uh, yeah, that could, that's kind of dumb what you just did there. And then I know what it takes to do the stuff that I want. It just takes a, um, one of the problems with my songwriting is I tend to fall into this thing of, uh, um, when you write music, and you make robots, they're mutually exclusive. Like you can't use the same kind of technique used to build robots to make music because mm. it's going to suck. And that's what I've been mm. doing for years because <laughs> it's very right brain, left brain. And so, you know, with robots, everything could be in the same angles and, you know, you know, you're looking for functionality, but mm-hmm. the musicality of it, that's the part where I sometimes have a hard time breaking out of like into the chaos world. You know mm. what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, I know what you yeah. mean. I've yeah. got the chaos world great in my brain for coming up with solutions to things. I just need to focus on a song as being a problem where, hey, your shit sounds really like fucking same old, same old, you know, like, so stop doing that. I've been starting doing that and it's it's getting better. That's cool. Well, I imagine applying the same principles to problem solving would work there. I hope. If you could teach yourself to build a robot, you can teach yourself to play music in a different way. Yeah, I think with each time i sit down and do a writing session you know it starts to get better so mm-hmm. maybe within about five years I'll, I'll <laughs> that's what i'm hoping to be fair dude you've been writing songs for so many fucking years and i think you're way too hard on yourself we all enjoy your shit oh no those are really songs. yeah 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 to you i mean i'm the same way i think most of the songs i write are pretty crappy too i like my songs <laughs> <laughs> when you record an album do you set up your robots and record the robots playing the album? Yeah, of course. Yep. Good. I would Respect. never. Oh God, no! Fuck that. Yeah. I mean, I would never ever do like a fake out. Like, no way. It's not just MIDI. Well, so that's the problem. It's like what I was thinking early on with this was like I have to have the robots be able to play everything. Like that's the whole point. And so I was yeah. a purist with a lot of that stuff, where I was thinking every sound on the album is all robots. But then you're limited in some ways, you know, by things. I don't know. Sometimes it's fun to throw a little bit. I mean, maybe not captured by robots, but you know, like it's fun to throw in sound effects and you know, cool things you know but sure. um sure i don't know i haven't been thinking too much. i'm actually really glad we did this because i haven't been down here in the basement in a while like with the robots because ever since this bullshit covid stuff started i just kind of stopped thinking about music entirely mm-hmm. just living you know and uh yeah so now it's nice to come down here and see the teddies again because i'm gonna i gotta you know eventually like we had to push the tour way back so yeah. originally it was for this spring and then we pushed it back to fall and then i was like you know what this problem is still going to be going on in the fall we yeah. need to move it to next to 2021 spring and so we moved the teddy tour to then and so that's a year Damn. from now so it's like yeah. holy shit that seemed like the best earliest time when tours would really restart and i want to be there when that happens um yeah. even though a lot of clubs won't be there which is going to be really fucked oh uh, my god dude it's so fucked so you've been in ska bands of up to eight or nine people with speed addicts you've been on the road by yourself yeah in a van full of robots with a four-hour setup time yeah. If someone were to ask you, like, what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you on tour out of all of that, those experiences, is there, like, a thing that, like, comes to mind? <laughs> okay, the craziest. I'll take the third craziest. <laughs> 
Yeah, probably the craziest I don't really want to talk about. Um, but the uh, oh, okay, hey, all right, fine. You don't own yeah, fair me. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> no, but if we did, I'd have robots lashing you all the time. That's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, some of the things were from back a long time ago when I don't really remember that much stuff. Like I remember once that one of my bands had this girl call us into her room to like she was going to show us her teddy. This was with a whole bunch of people in a band, you know. Mm-hmm. And she was going into a full body cast the next day. I don't know why. What? <laughs> yeah. So she was trying to party the night before she had to go into a full body cast. Okay. And so. She like wanted to show us this teddy, so she had us all leave the room, and then she put it on, and we all went back in, and and it was just, oh man, it was just awful. <laughs> it just, the whole situation was so awful, and we all just like it stared, and, we just, and I just walked out of the room like, oh man, like. Uh. And the next day when we woke up, I saw a bunch of maggots crawling on the kitchen floor, like towards, like some people slept right there, which is pretty great. Oh too. no. <laughs> What? That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. <laughs> um, okay, one time the Causeway and Capture Barabas did a little tour up to uh, Canada, and so up the West Coast. And so we go up to there and we're, oh, we're playing at the Piccadilly Pub. And there's this guy who's being a problem. Like I've seen him being boisterous. He's just being a problem. And so, mm-hmm. okay, whatever, you know. So I do my set and met up with Nardwar up there and shit. Yeah, love that guy. This might have been after that. Anyways, Causeway was like a David Koresh-led cult band. They were great. They were so mm-hmm. good. And they never got... They were so good. They should have been so stars. Good. But, you know. Their music was phenomenal. So the singer... Yeah. He's like coming out with this whole big episode, like he's the you know this cult like God figure, and he comes out wearing this white suit. Everybody's wearing white, and he's going onto the stage. And yeah. this guy who was being a problem earlier starts harassing him, and starts like yeah, you know, grabbing him and yelling in his ear and stuff. And this is like the key moment in the whole set where like he's coming out and it's like you know this incredible situation. And so he's just right up in Causey's fucking face this whole time. And so finally he just punches him. Scott just punches this guy in the face <laughs> and the guy falls Fair down enough. and then um and then there's this huge fight between like canadians and americans <laughs> and then like the guy starts crying and he's just freaking out oh, and, he's, no. and he's obviously a problem and security wasn't doing anything about it and the show was over at that point like it just yeah they mm-hmm. didn't even play then the fight got dragged outside up the stairs into the alley and and it's just things are just going crazy and finally um at the end the guy had come back and smashed their window with a rock no and, <laughs> oh classy maybe they ended up playing but he ended up breaking a window and so that was the end of that but yeah oh i mean i got a bunch i mean do you know about the hickey voodoo glow skulls seven inch yeah okay yeah i know about so that i was involved in that somehow i met voodoo glow skulls years ago when uh my old band blue meanies played with them in beloit wisconsin and I made a joke to the drummer about his snare drum, which I guess you're not supposed yeah. to do. <laughs> and he got really offended. And so I was like, well, I'm sorry, you know, okay. Like, it was just a joke. What was it? Do you remember the joke? Yeah, I said, like, he was doing a sound check. And he's like, bang, 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 like super high. <laughs> and I was like, man, if our drummer had a snare like that, we'd have to put a hole in it. Like, meaning, like, it's, it's really loud. Very, very uh-huh. loud, you know, and yeah. I'm trying to get my shit off stage, you know. And so anyway, so he got really mad, I guess. And so then I heard later on that 
that Voodoo Glow Skulls hated me because uh-huh. I made this joke to their drummer, which is kind of funny. But so anyways, that whole Hickey thing happened where Hickey opened up for Voodoo Glow Skulls and made some jokes. Voodoo didn't think the jokes were funny. And so then they end up like uh, kicking them off the bill and not getting them paid. And so then Hickey stole their trumpet, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that is super funny. funny. <laughs> and so then Hickey made the seven inch, you know, to blow the horn of justice or freedom or something. Uh-huh. And they played all these answering machine messages, which Frank kept doing to them and shit. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to shows back then and I went to go see Skanker Pickle play at some college thing and I hadn't seen him in a while and so one of their roadies saw that I had a hickey patch on my jacket and he was like oh you're the enemy you're the enemy like <laughs> I'm like what the fuck is fucking, fucking Kevin Dill fucking god turf warfare and ska bands <laughs> oh it was ridiculous <laughs> so after that I was like down in LA on holiday for Christmas and I come back and there's a message on my answering machine and it's from Eddie the guitar player, and he mm-hmm. stutters, you know? And he was like, if you ever c- come into the Inner Empire again, we're going to c- c- kick your ass. <laughs> you're a piece of shit. We met you, and you're still a piece of shit. Nuh-uh. Fucking faggot or something like that. And then <laughs> I only say that because that's they use that a lot. That's what he said. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, and I, didn't, I hadn't seen this guy in like – six years and i was like what the fuck is going on like what so then i used the his message to me as my outgoing answer machine message back then <laughs> <laughs> and then the drummer from skank and pickle heard that and then that's the last thing you hear on the seven inch where it's like what's he so mad about <laughs> <Which is so laughs> but then later uh, skank and pickle had to play with voodoo glow skulls and i was with them on tour and so mm-hmm. <laughs> so I didn't really talk to him much, whatever. Um, but I was kind of a feisty young man back then. And I was like, fucking assholes. Like, you know, because uh, I think Batty might have died before this. And so I was like, yeah. well, I'm going to take one for the team here. And so I drew the Hickey logo on my chest in marker. And Good so man. as we were playing, two songs in, I took off my shirt and there's the Hickey logo. And I'm sure those guys were like, oh, you fucking asshole. <laughs> and so. <laughs> So after the show, I'm hanging out with our guitarist, and I had all these keys. Like somebody had given me like the van keys, and there was like 100 keys. And I was like, "What am I gonna do with all these keys?" Mm. And then the trumpet player walked by. And he goes, "Maybe you should stick them up your ass." <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! And I was like, "Last uh, uh, stick them up my my ass? What? What are you talking about?" That's a trumpet player insult if I ever heard one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it was like a gang of doofuses all surrounding me talking shit and being like, you motherfucker, like fucking kick your ass. And so I just was like, fuck you people. So Lynette ended up tackling one of them when he was running from me or some shit. And so then I just went in the van and hung out with our big Scottish roadie. And it was like, and so I avoided the whole thing, which was great. So. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get punched by a bunch of angry, no comedy oafs. My God. Yeah, man. Yeah. Anyways, there was a lot of really good times. It was just, it, there was a lot of dark times too, you know? Um, sure. Yeah, of course. But it was the longest year of my life. <laughs> and when I was on tour with them, that's when I decided I was going to build robots. Really? Because like, I was like, this is perfect. I was like, it's just going to be me. I'm going to make robots. I know when I was telling people about it, they're like, you're a fucking idiot. You're not going to be able to build this shit. And I was making pictures. I was like, <laughs> I was going to <laughs> photocopies of what I was making. And people were like, oh, gee. Uh-huh. Like, who showed them? You know, I'm, look what I did. Here I yeah. am. And where are you? Yeah. Like, I'm the only person yeah. that I. History. Mm-hmm. All I know is that I'm the only one of my peer group, really, who's still doing it as far as touring and like mm-hmm. nobody else, like they're all gone. Mm. And so that's kind of cool because yeah. like, I don't know when to quit. But. 
<laughs> Self-roast. <laughs> but that's cool. It's cool to not know. Oh, shit. All right, hold on a second. What? It is very cool. J-Bot, that is a great way to go out. I got to just thank you for being on our show oh, no and problem. sharing the stuff awesome. that you shared. Know. It was okay. And uh, <laughs> I knew it was going to be fun, and it was. Holy shit. Thank you so much, J-Bot. That was Ugh. intense. Yeah, I don't know about you, John. Some of the things that you would have to do to spend four hours just to set up and build these robots every single day. Dude, I can't imagine, man. I have just knowing what I know about tour and then sitting yeah. still, closing my eyes and thinking about yeah. it. I get stress palpitations thinking about <laughs> that work day, right? Like yeah. you have to do all the driving and navigation to get to the show. And then you yeah. have four hours to yeah. set up and literally assemble robots. Yeah. And then you need to sound check. Yeah. And then you need to feed yourself, probably like grab yeah. dinner or something, right? And then the show starts, you're kicking around for a while, then you play. And then, dude, you're fucking half done at that point. Then you yeah. gotta tear down. Probably this is like what, 2 a.m.? Yeah, so at the end of the night, because he's headlining, because yeah. he has the robots, Yeah, he's tearing down. He might be done at like 3.30. Who knows how late it yeah. is at that point. Yeah, at this point, you're disassembling robots, yeah. and then you got to load all the gear, yeah. the instruments and the robots, back into your van. By the way, they are fucking heavy. And you know, there's probably a fuckload of easy-to-break stuff in there, yeah. right? You got to be careful. You got to do all this without breaking your shit and fucking yourself for the next couple nights on tour every day. And every That's night. insane. I can't believe it, man. It's a, it's amazing. Let me tell you a quick story about J-Bot. This is many tours back, and he was touring by himself, lifting these robots on and off the stage, you know, with a little extra hands. Mm -hmm. And when he rolled in, I was like, holy shit, look at those guns. <laughs> I was like, I was kind of making fun of him because he's such a nerd, you know? And uh -huh. I was like, J-Bot, well, look at those fucking guns. And he's like, yeah, man, I've been fucking all around the country lifting these fucking robots. I'm fucking <laughs> ripped right now. I was a little drunk. I was joking. I was like, how about we have a little arm wrestle and he fucking wasted me oh, oh this is android amazing. hero days this is android hero days uh -huh. he wasted me so hard and so fast i actually made the mistake of trying to arm wrestle him even though i looked at his arm and i was like you should not do this yeah and i tried to put force against it and then i played the show and the next day my arm was useless he was just a monster it's like looking into the void man you have to test yourself <laughs> yeah <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my God. Things like that happen on tour. Let's talk about something. We try and like solicit emails from people. We make threats. Yeah. We make threats we... that we're going to read your tour stories and we don't, we don't back up that threat nearly enough. So you know what? We're going to do it. We're going to do one. This one came to us a while ago and I've loved it and I've read it multiple times. I really like it. So this is a tour story that got emailed to us from a friend of the show, Noah Burns. Great guy. Who used to play drums in a band called Wild Throne mm -hmm. and a band called Dog Shredder. Dog Shredder, love both those bands. They're both very good, and I have a special place in my heart for Dog Shredder in particular because I think they have possibly the best band name. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's such a great name. What what the fuck is a dog shredder? I think I looked it up. I actually Googled it at one point because I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah. Two nonsensical words stuck together that sound really, really aggro. Just aggro as fuck. Which, and honestly, like, they fit the sound of the band. The band Agreed. sounds like whatever Agreed. the fuck a dog shredder is. Yeah, they're a great band. Uh, Noah... In particular, he's one of the sickest drummers. Yeah, he's Sick. a drummer's drummer. For sure. He's so good. Yeah, fun to watch. Anyways, here's a great story from Noah Burns that he emailed into the show a while ago. Dog Shredder was on the last leg of our first U.S. tour, and we were finally on our way back to the West Coast. 
We had suffered incredibly poor tire luck the entire run. I think we blew eight tires total. Jeff. Eight tires. Jesus. Eight fucking tires. <laughs> I mean, I've got some tire stories, but that's that that's too many tires. That's two vans. Yeah, that is two vans worth. <laughs> Later, we realized our alignment was the issue, but we were very young and dumb. I've been there. Yeah, I have too. On our way through rural Montana, we blew yet another tire. We limped into what was a literal one-street town and entered the only open business to use a phone. What he doesn't mention here is that this open business is a restaurant. Okay. The proprietor was half prospector, half bedazzled denim, (laughs) (laughs) and was way too happy to see us, as he used to be, quotes, in the industry. Uh Uh-huh. Thankfully, he had a friend that owned a, quotes, yard and can get us a tire. But there was a catch. He wanted Josh, the guitar player and the singer, to serenade the other employees of the restaurant. <laughs> that's not a, that's we don't do that kind of stuff. We're no. rockers. Uh, no. Anyway, go go on. Go on. And like and like listener, take a minute, pause this, go listen to Dog Shredder, and yeah. then think about serenading yeah. the employees at a restaurant. <laughs> that's okay. not a thing. Okay, come back. Our explanations that our music wasn't really quotes like that didn't help. Finally, with his nonstop, well, you're a band, ain't you? You're a singer, ain't you? Josh relented. The employees of his restaurant happened to be his wife and daughter. They did not want to be serenaded (laughs) (laughs) at at fucking all. (laughs) I love how he writes this. (laughs) Josh sang two Queen songs and a Smashing Pumpkins song, while Jeff and I ate cold fries and watched in very awkward horror. (laughs) His daughter, all caps, did not think we were cool. <laughs> and then and then this is the best part because this is just the last sentence and it just fills me with mystery. Yeah. In an hour or so, a completely silent cowboy manifested from the darkness, fixed our tire, and wouldn't accept payment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Montana. How I love you so. Oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That is amazing. Thanks, Noah. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that finally made it on a show. And uh, we got a couple more, and we'll try and bring those out a little bit more as we can. Yep. And please, if you have any interesting stories, your most fun or the most terrible thing that ever happened to you, the weirdest thing that ever happened to you, toss us a line. We'll put it on the show. You know, Jeff, I got to say, we've been having some strangers reach out to us lately, and it's been nice. It's been really cool. Yeah, like, I'm actually a little bit surprised by a couple of the sort of high list folks that have reached out to us, and I kind of can't wait to start the new recordings. We're still working on our COVID backlog, and we're, you know, we're still in these times, but I think you shall see the rest of the season. It's stacking up to be pretty dope. The rest of the season's great, and then the exciting stuff we're getting coming into our inbox right now, I just want to say, if you're out there and you got a cool tour story and you're on the fence about getting in touch with us, just fucking do it. Just write that email. Let us know what you got to talk about. I promise you, we're going to be psyched. We're going to be fucking psyched psyched to talk to you. Best case scenario, we get to do a whole show that's just me and you reading killer tour stories. Yeah, right? Like better. (laughs) (laughs) Don't have to interview some jerk who makes robots. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think we're done for today. Thank you so much. Tomorrow We Die is sponsored by Isotope, makers of software for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. We've been using Isotope and their products to clean up audio on every episode and in general make my, Jeffrey, the engineer's life a whole lot easier. Yeah, the podcast is fun, you know, we're cracking beers, spinning yarns, and 
flopping around memory lane, just <laughs> yucking it up. But there's this whole other side of doing the show that is all caps real work. Oh yeah. And it takes a ton of time. And yeah, Jeff, Isotope. Definitely makes my life easier. I've been using the RX plugin the last couple episodes, especially. You know that we are on internet audio right now because of COVID and everything else. So I gotta say, these plugins have been a huge help and they've allowed us to keep having fun while socially distancing as we should. <laughs> Go to isotope.com slash ruinous and use checkout code RUIN10 for a 10% discount on all their software. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous and that's checkout code R-U-I-N-1-0. 10%. We live in a city of craze. Tear it down and build it up again. Tomorrow We Die is sponsored by Georgetown, Georgetown Music. Music. A musician-owned shop independently operated by folks deeply rooted in the Pacific Northwest live music scene. Your community-oriented source for new, used, and vintage instruments, as well as all the supplies that go with them. They're now at their new home in Burien, Washington. Visit them at 232 Southwest 153rd Street, Burien, Washington. Check out new deals at georgetownmusicstore.com. That's all one word, of course. And follow them on Facebook and Instagram to get all the latest arrivals. Or just call them at 206 602 this show is about touring musicians telling incredible stories from their lives as they remember them. Humans are generally pretty great, but we all know that memory fades over time and that in the moment, people interpret situations differently based on their personality, background, state of mind, drugs they were on, intoxication level, etc., etc., the important thing to get across here is that at no point should these stories be considered hard facts or perfectly accurate portrayals of real events. If by some chance you were there for something that was talked about on this show or know someone who was and heard a different side of the story. If you feel we've been inaccurate or misrepresentative in any way, please don't hesitate to reach out and help us set the record straight. Tomorrow we die podcast at gmail.com. We'll read everything. And to any road warriors out there who might be listening, we want to hear your stories too. If you have a crazy moment from the road you want to share with us, then please drop us a line on email. Write it up as succinctly as possible, please. We don't want to read your autobiography. And if we have the time, we'll read it on a future episode. Feel free to plug yourself in the band as well. Again, the email address is tomorrow we die podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. And once again, I'm Jeffrey McNulty. And I'm John Wisniewski, and this is Tomorrow, Tomorrow We, we die. die. Find us on the internet. Our website is www.tomorrowwedie.com. And remember, that's two W's, T-O-M-O-R-R-O-W-W-E-D-I-E.com. On Twitter, we're at Tomorrow We Die PC. Instagram, at Tomorrow We Die Podcast. Facebook page is at Tomorrow We Die Podcast. Our email address is tomorrowwediepodcast at gmail.com, and the show is published on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and SoundCloud. Podcast produced by Jeffrey M. McNulty at the Pachinko Parlor in Seattle, Washington. Additional editing by Joe Plummer and Chris Dury. Background music is by Noel Frequency Impulsor. Tomorrow We Die is produced in partnership with Ruinous Media. Check out the rest of the Ruinous Media family at ruinousmedia.com and on all the major social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening.